If you have your Bible with you, would you take it out, please, and turn to 3 John. 3 John just has one chapter, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4 here in just a moment. 3 John chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 1 here in just a second. At the end of our reading, in 3 John chapter 1 and verse 4, John the Apostle, at the end of his life, he looks back and he uses this phrase. He says, I have no greater joy. And so looking back at his life as an, as an old man and all of the things that John went through, all of the things that he experienced, I mean, think about that. John the Apostle, being with Jesus, all of the experiences he had working miracles, all of the things that he did in preaching the gospel, he says, I have no greater joy. Other things might have equaled it, but nothing greater than this. And what is it that he says he had no greater joy than? Well, let's read together, beginning in verse 1. The elder, that's John, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And he's not talking about his physical children here, although I would assume that would be true as well. He's talking about his spiritual children. In fact, when you read through the epistles of John, the two most common phrases that that John uses for Christians are the two phrases that are found here. Beloved, my loved ones, and then also my children. They are His children whom He loves. And what John says here is, it's not just that I think my children are walking in truth, or I hope my children are walking in truth, but or, or even as far as I can tell, my children are walking in truth. It's that experience where he's hearing from others the faithfulness of His children. They are walking. They are living according to the truth in Christ, and others are sharing that with Him. I mean, don't you feel that way as a parent? Isn't it awesome when other people brag on your kids? I mean, you think you're doing a pretty good job, you hope that they act the way they should, but they're off somewhere else, and someone says, hey, your kid was great. They did this awesome thing. Doesn't that make you feel great? Doesn't that bring you joy? Well, John says, with my spiritual children, there's no greater joy than when others tell me how well they're doing in Christ. And I can relate to that, I think. What joy it brings my heart when I hear, when I hear our children, when our children are doing well, when they're walking in the truth, having their own faith, prospering in all things, being an influence Marrying other faithful Christians, worshiping faithfully in other congregations, being involved in Bible studies and evangelism. They have heard the truth, they know the truth, and they're walking in or living the truth. That brings us such joy. And so much of the Bible is written from the perspective of of passing down God's wisdom to the next generation, our spiritual children. For example, the book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of wise parents writing to their children. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1, if you would. Proverbs chapter 1. 
And just as John was a spiritual father to these Christians, and now they're walking according to truth, so too the book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of parents to their children to give them the wisdom of God. Begin reading in verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 1. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so he says, verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. This is the first of 23 times in the book of Proverbs we see that my son is addressed. And four more times, more generally, it says my children. And admonishes these children to live a wise and godly life. And so our sermon this evening is like the book of Proverbs. And it's specifically addressed to our children, but a specific group of our children. I mean, this is going to apply to everybody, I hope. But it's specifically spiritual advice to our graduates during this year. And so what I did, I asked the elders and their wives to give their spiritual advice as you graduate and enter into this next stage of your life. And it ended up working out perfectly. I mean that literally, perfectly. Our seven elders have seven admonitions for you that I have summarized in this way. Seven admonitions for you to walk in wisdom, to walk in the truth, so that we might all have joy in that. Number one, be a leader. Be an influence for good, a leader for good, not a follower of evil. Advice along the lines of leading and influencing or being influenced were were some of the most common advice that I received from these men and women. And you know what that tells me? If this was important for them to point out to you, that means that they have high expectations for you graduates. That they expect great things of you. They see your talents. They see your abilities and your blessings and the opportunities that you have had and that you will have in the future. They see what you could accomplish in the Lord's kingdom if you fulfill that potential. And so do I. I see that potential in you. So be a leader. Be that influence for good and for righteousness that you can be. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 was quoted. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You have that before you. You have that ability within you to be that kind of example. And I would encourage each of you to be a leader in whatever situation you find yourself in as you start this journey on your own. Um, And I'm going to read quite a bit tonight, as much as I've As much as I can, I've tried to take quotes, direct quotes from what was sent to me. And so they say, if someone is enticing you to engage in something that you know is wrong, turn the situation around by being the example of godliness. By doing so, you might save yourself 
and those who see and hear you standing for what is right. Um, I'm keeping these responses anonymous. I don't want you to know specifically which person was saying these different things. And so I'll just say, um, one of our elders who owns a grass farm said this next thing. He spoke about uh, the influence that these young people who work for him, and many of you graduates have worked for this person, And the influence that you've had on others through your work, through working hard and doing what's right and being respectful, and how that's something that's rare in our society. He's often asked when you go out and work by other people, where did you find these kids? Accompanied by statements bragging on you like, uh, it's been 20 years since I've seen kids who work like this, or uh, they're all so respectful when they speak to you. And Monty, I mean this elder, says, his response is, they go to church with me. And you know what the next question always is? Where do you go to church? Can you imagine the kind of influence that you're having by just working hard, being respectful, doing what's right, by you being you and walking in the truth You're having an influence on others older than you that you don't even know. Never underestimate the influence that you can have as a young person by simply and diligently and with conviction doing what's right. Just doing what's right means that you will be a leader and that you'll have an influence for good. Along with that, the second admonition is to put God first. Well, that's simple, isn't it? Um, Steph's granddaddy, Bill Reeves, uh, he told me a story when he was living here, here a number of years ago, but while he was living here, he received an email. You know, he'd reached a, that point in his life where others were, were reaching out to him and telling him about the things that he had done for them and the influence that he'd had. And he received an email from a, from a preacher who had preached all over Central and South America and so forth, and he was going on and on, and he told Bill that, that there were two words, a two-word admonition that he had given to him when he was just a young boy, and he said, this has stuck with me through the rest of my life. You know, it's, it's influenced me in powerful ways. I wouldn't be the same person today if you hadn't said this to me. And Bill had no recollection at all of what he had said, so he's like scrolling down saying, what did I say? I need to say this to some other people too. And it was just two words, study hard. Really? I mean, that's it. Study hard. It's simple. It's easy to remember. And maybe that's these three words are just like that. Put God first. That's not earth shattering. That's not something you've never heard before. But if you live your life like that, if you always put God first in everything that you do, then your life will turn out as God would have you to. Your your life is all before you in this. And and though this is not particularly profound, it is simple and it is practical. Uh, My grandfather, Van Cash, um, he had something similar that he would always say to himself. In fact, he wrote this on a piece of paper even though he had had it memorized for years and years. And he put it in his wallet just as a kind of reminder to himself And he passed this on to me when I graduated. He said, Reagan, I want you to remember this. I want you to memorize this. 
Always let spirituality have the upper hand and you will never go wrong. And I've remembered that and I've passed that piece of advice on anytime anyone asks me what it is that they need to remember in their life. The elders and their wives put this, put God first in this way. Put the Lord first. Always, always, always. And you can't go wrong. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? How about this? Remember to put God first in all your plans. Education, career, relationships, so that your labor is not in vain. Proverbs 16 and verse 3, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Psalm 127 and verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does the Lord require of you, young people? Fear Him. Live in a way that pleases Him. And love Him and serve Him with all of your heart. Just put God first. Along with that, number three, keep an eternal perspective. Don't sweat the small stuff. Things that seem to be major issues today will likely turn out to be insignificant in the long run. Boyfriends, Girlfriends, friends, test scores, difficult courses that cause heartache and worry are all insignificant when viewed from an eternal perspective. Does this have any eternal significance is what I've told you many times. Hopefully you remember that, right? Keep an eternal perspective in all these things. One of the passages that was mentioned was Matthew chapter 6. So turn there with me, please. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. In fact, this, was, this scripture was mentioned twice among the advice that was given. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31. Listen, graduates, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? It's interesting to me, those were all very important questions to me in college. I think, what am I going to eat? I'm starving. Right? What what shall we drink? What am I going to wear? I got to look right for uh, you know those cute girls in class or whatever the case might be. Don't worry about those things. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your Father, your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things. You need the necessities of life, and God knows that He created you. What are you supposed to do instead? Verse thirty-three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Remember. Remember eternity. And remember that God loves and cares for you more than we can all imagine. He knows what you need and will provide what you need if you are seeking first His kingdom. Another one of these people said, Young people, rejoice in your youth. It's wonderful. Enjoy every minute of it. Let your heart be cheerful. Follow your heart and your desires, but know that God will judge your actions. This is really a paraphrase from Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 9, which says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, 
But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Enjoy your life. But remember, this life is that long. And then comes the judgment. Do I have an eternal perspective on the things of life? The fourth admonition. Lean on God, not your own understanding. Uh, I'm going to read this verbatim. You can probably guess which one of the elders wrote this as well. Quote, Hear, O Israel, graduates, I am the father of your spirits that gave you life. I beg you, I implore you to hear my words that all will be well with you. Jeremiah 7.23 But this is what I commanded them saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well with you. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 12 Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and his days are prolonged, that's the way it appears sometimes, right? Bad people getting away with bad things. Yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um, And that's a quotation from Proverbs chapter 3. If you want to turn back over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because it is not in your power to control your own destiny, it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Jeremiah 10.23 You plan your way through life, but God directs your steps. Proverbs 16 and verse 9 A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs His steps. You may not understand where you will go or end up, but no God directs your steps. Proverbs 20 and verse 24. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? Acknowledge God in all that you do, and He will tell you where to go. And He has told me to read Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. So read with me. My son... Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. I mean, what does that look like? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That means that God is the one who, who is in control. That God has the one, to, who, the one who has the authority to direct my life. And that I'm going to submit myself to Him. And if I acknowledge Him in everything, if the Lord is right there with me in making every decision that I make, then He will indeed direct my paths through His Word. And so... Stay firm in your faith. Don't be misled by academics who are too smart to believe in God, who professing to be wise have become fools. Let me tell you this. This is from Reagan. Your understanding is going to increase so much, exponentially. Um, I thought I had everything figured out when I graduated. 
And then I was a freshman on campus, and man, it was different. And then at the end of my freshman year, I thought I had everything figured out. And then I was a sophomore, and I thought I had everything figured out, and so on and so on and so on and so so on. And with every increase in your understanding, you know what you're going to see more and more clearly? How little you know. And hopefully, hopefully that will cause you to thank God that you are directed by the Creator of the universe that knows everything. That I don't have to lean on my own understanding. I can lean on the Lord to direct me. Admonition number five of seven. Make godly choices in advance. That's my summation of several pieces of advice. And that's so powerful. That's so helpful. I really like the way one of these people put it. When you're stressing over a test and trying to decide if you can make it to worship, just remember that you made that decision the day you were baptized. I mean, that simplifies things, doesn't it? I've already made the decision to, number two, put God first. And while I don't have to be at every service, my priority and perspective and choices have already been made on that. Decide ahead of time what your answer will be to certain situations, another says. Don't wait until the opportunity presents itself to ask yourself what you should or shouldn't do. For example, when alone with a date, decide ahead of time what what the appropriate limitations are. When asked to go to the club, know ahead of time what your answer is going to be. And all of us know, don't we, the, the dangers of not choosing in advance just sleepily going through the motions, maybe based on tradition or habit or whatever the case might be. And we know the danger of leaving the door open to go back into sin as well. Romans chapter 13 addresses both of these things. The Apostle Paul does. In Romans chapter 13, you want to turn over there. Read with me beginning in verse 11. He's just talked about the love that you should have for God and your neighbor and that love is a fulfillment of the law. And he says, so do this. Live this life of love knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Uh, That's every preacher's dream for about two-thirds of the way or three-fourths of the way through the sermon. It is high time to awake out of sleep. Uh, Hear what's being said here. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. There is urgency involved in this. Eternity is one second closer with each second that passes by. It is one day closer with each day that passes by. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. As in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Now you can find all of that, graduates. You can find it in spades, in high school where you're coming from, in college or the workforce where you're going. You can find those things. But you're awake. You're awake to the devil's devices. You're awake that there's no real fulfillment in those things. And so what you're going to do, verse 14, is put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Make no provision for the flesh, giving a back door where you can go back into sin. And what is the solution 
What is the solution to this kind of dreary sleepiness where we're just walking through life and decisions are being made for us instead of us making decisions? The solution is to make provision for the Spirit. Make plans for spirituality and put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he says. I I think this is a great piece of advice from, from one of the participants. When you choose places to go, things to do, and friends to be with, ask yourself, would I take Jesus with me? Or would He go with me if I asked? Remember that regardless of your answer to these questions, He is with you. And He sees and knows everything. How scary and burdensome is that? That God sees everything if we're not living as we should. But what a comfort it is to know that God is with us when we are striving to do what is right. Make godly choices. Decide now you're going to live for righteousness. And when the moment comes, the decision's already been made. Admonition number six. In a very practical way, you're admonished and encouraged to find and be involved with a faithful church family. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 12 is one of the passages that was quoted. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Surround yourself with Christian friends striving to do what's right. And those friendships with other Christians will help you stay on the right path in in the moments of weakness that you might have. Find a group of brethren where you you can worship and be encouraged and encourage others. And don't just find a group. Get plugged in. Be involved. Don't just be a pew warmer, checking the box of going to church. Help teach a Bible class. Have lunch with people after church. Take a meal to a member who is ill or grieving. Get involved. And it will help you take ownership of your own faith. It's no longer something that your parents do for you and you just go along with them. It's what you do. It's your faith. And your church family will be one of the greatest assets you will have when you go away from home. Get to know and learn from and be strengthened by these other Christians with whom you worship. And take advantage of these opportunities to grow. To be a good influence on others. And surround yourself with good people and good influences. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So connect yourself with a strong church family who can help you to be better and with whom you can work for the Lord. And I'll tell you, graduates, we're here to help you with this one. Um, If you want our help, if you desire our help, we can help you to find a strong church family with whom you can worship. You know, collectively, look around this room. I, I mean, we got people of all different ages. I say look around this room and people go, Now, I mean, really, you can look. Look around this room. We've got people of all different ages, from all different places in the country, and collectively, this represents people who know thousands and thousands of other Christians all over the country. And those people that we know, they know additional thousands of other Christians. Wherever you go, seek out and find a church family that can be there to help you. And let us help you. Um, You are never on your own because there is 
extended family out there. If this is your family, there is extended family out there as well. So find and be involved with a faithful church family. And then finally, number seven, don't neglect your spiritual growth. You're growing in all sorts of ways and will be growing in all sorts of ways. Don't neglect spiritual growth. In your pursuit of learning, don't neglect spiritual learning. Like Ezra, in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, prepare your heart to know the Word of the Lord, to do it, and to teach others. And you can probably guess which elder said that one as well. I encourage you, as they do as well, start and end every day with prayer. Pray for wisdom and understanding. And read your Bible daily as well. As Proverbs 4 and verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. So graduates, get wisdom. Young people, get wisdom. Old people, self-identified, get wisdom. And know, graduates, that you are our beloved children. And we love you, we love you more than you know. And we can't wait to see what you're going to accomplish. What you're going to accomplish physically, yeah, we're going to be proud of that. Go be whatever it is you want to be in life. But nothing will bring us greater joy than what you will be and what you can accomplish in the Lord's kingdom. Let me use John's words one more time, just slightly altered. From the elders to the beloved graduates whom we love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. That's true of John, it's true of me, it's true of the elders, it's true of your parents, but it's also true of God. God has no greater joy than when one of His children comes back to Him to walk in truth. And the angels in heaven will rejoice right along with us if you need to come to the truth even this evening. If we can help you in that way tonight, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing. Oh, Lord, how tell the song.